0: Welcome to Record Store Society, a production of iHeartRadio. That are totally different from their just uh, studio albums, so yeah, I don't know. It's all it's all different.
1: Oh hey, hi. Uh, welcome to our record store. I'm Seth. This is Tara. Uh, feel free to look around and uh, just give us a shout if you need anything. Uh, but but kind of in general, I'm not sure if I buy that many live albums in general. Oh hey look, it's Tom. Hey Tom. Hi. <laughs> Hi. We're so glad you're joining us today. Uh, uh, so far, we are we are just chit chatting about live albums and kind of what they mean to us and uh, how they how they fit into our overall like listening patterns and habits. Uh, w- w- what's your stance, Tom? How, how do you feel about uh, the live album in general?
2: In general, I find that live records can often be a better representation of a band than a studio album.
1: Interesting.
2: Sometimes the studio takes away so much from how a band is that they're not really a band until you actually, or you don't actually hear a band until you hear
1: them live. I understand what you're saying. It's kind of like in the same way that like, like um, that is not always the case. Always, sure, <laughs> sure. Um, but, but like, there are some bands I know of that are extremely studio proficient. But when you get them in a room playing with one another, they can't really hold it together at all because it's not it's not what they train for. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, yeah, I could see that. But um, hmm, I think it also depends on how they're recorded. Like, uh, have you guys heard about that new clipping live album that just came out recently?
0: No, what's that?
1: It was a, it was a record store day release, and this is a uh, you know uh, the the uh, the hip hop trio that is David Diggs, uh, Jonathan Snipes, and the other guy who I don't know his name, and basically uh, they were tired of like the conventions. This, the, I was told about that just this past weekend. It, it sounds interesting. I haven't heard it yet because it was a record store day release, so I haven't been able to get my hands on it. But basically, what it is is like. They wanted to do something kind of different with a live album. So they hid microphones not in the conventional places. So there's like, instead of microphones like out towards the audience and up against people on stage and doing all that stuff, they like put microphones like in the lobby, microphones like in the parking garage, microphones like in the the rafters. I don't know specifically because I haven't heard it. But apparently it's an extremely unconventional sounding live album. And I'm just curious to hear it. But hmm. it's sold out on Record Store Day, so I have to wait until a digital version is out there in the wild somewhere.
2: I wonder Interesting. if those were all mixed together or how did they decide how to, if it's not mixed together, how they would jump from mic to mic. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I do. Like, and and I, a- I also yeah. wonder, because hmm, I, I, again, I have not heard this. I'm waiting for it to, because um, I, I know there's like a, uh, like a, like a, some sort of like contractual obligation that if you release something on record store day, it has to be vinyl exclusive for X number of days before you can release it on your own. And uh, so they said that they'll eventually release it regularly, but it has not come up yet. Um, but, but, uh, but no, I, I mean, I, I appreciate people pushing boundaries in whatever way they can. But yeah, I'm curious how it turns out. Uh, speaking of clipping, uh, actually, their new album I really enjoy. Do you, do you guys listen to clipping at all?
0: I've never heard of them, so yeah. I, no,
2: <laughs> I've only I, I believe I've only heard of them, and that was very recently. Yeah, if it comes up, I'll probably listen, but I had already forgotten about it. That's why my response was initially, no, I haven't heard of them.
1: (laughs) But maybe I will now. (laughs) No, there's always like a uh, a repetition of uh, instances before I'll actually look up a band. Like you usually, if I hear like one song where I'm just like, oh man, I heard this one song and now I'm very, very excited to see what else is going on. Like if one thing really connects with me, then I'm very excited to track them down. But if I just kind of hear rumblings of someone... It takes, like, I'm going to say 10 instances before I actually get up and go do something about it. Yeah. Like, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give an example, uh, one in my life. It was uh, Phoebe Bridgers. Like, when I first heard of her, who knows how long ago, when she was, like, first, like, coming out with, like, her original solo stuff, I was just like, cool. Singer, songwriter, I'm sure she's fine. I haven't heard a single song. I'm I'm sure I'll get around to it eventually. And then a little bit later on, um, I think Better Oblivion Community Center, the thing that she did with um, uh, with uh, Connor Oberst, I was like, oh, that's cool. Connor's like vouching for her, so she must be pretty good. I'll go, I'll, I'll look into this. I'll look into this. I never did. Then mm. she did Boy Genius, that like super group with like her and Lucy Dacus and like someone else. I forget who the third member was, but there, someone else also awesome.
0: Julian Baker.
1: Yes, exactly. And, and when that happened, I was like, okay, come on. Everyone's telling me how good Phoebe Bridgers is. I got to check this out. And of course, she's great, you know? But, it, but because I had never heard an initial song, because I'd never come across her music, it was just hearing her name on repetition. It took, like, f- multiple instances for me to go, okay, now I will go find her and go look into her, you know?
0: Yeah. For me, it's yeah. a matter of, like, who's telling me to listen to the thing? Or... Yeah, Yeah. or if I'm just, you know, hunting, what is the next, you know, I got to find the next big thing. So I'll be scrolling through all of the new releases to hear things.
1: I Honestly, live shows are, is my favorite place mm-hmm. to hear something new. Um, I, I love going to any show and just, I, I love opening acts. Opening acts are like the number one place where I find new bands I love just because it's like, Whatever band this is, they have vouched for this person by inviting them to play for them. You know, and it usually, at least the level of bands I see, there it's not too many contractual obligation opening acts. Usually, it's you know people they actually like and people they actually want to tour with,
2: or they're on their label.
1: Exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, but what's funny, I, I there aren't too many live albums that actually keep the opening act, and I kind of wish they would because at least to me, that's that's part of the show. And um, I can think of a couple off the top of my head, but I-, I wish there were more, actually.
0: I've never heard of any that keep the original band on there, or the original opener band.
1: Yeah, I don't think
2: I've ever even heard of that. Uh, other than well, i hmm. Maybe like the like Rolling an actual... Thunder... Re- I mean, but that is that really the Rolling Thunder review? Maybe somebody who was before Bob Dylan? I don't know.
0: Oh, yeah, if it's like <laughs> well, a I, concert I series yeah, type thing, yeah. rather than like an actual band releasing I theirs. Of, I
2: can't think of any, or at least...
1: I'm just not aware of it though i wish had i can think been. of one
0: which one and i
1: i was i was about to tell you but then oh. i thought you know we're talking about live albums and if as we haven't played the high fidelity game yet today uh tom are you up for joining us okay all right well live albums let's do top five live albums of all time and well to ourselves obviously whenever we do this it's always subjective not objective because objective lists would be pretty boring so uh let's let's do this um today's prompt top five live albums to our own subjective opinion uh we'll take a quick break we'll split up find our records come back and do some needle drops let's go All right. Well, I think it's time to play the High Fidelity game. Today's prompt is top five live albums. Uh, let's see, Tom, you're our guest. Uh, would mm-hmm. you like to start us off Ca- starting with your number five, counting down to number one? Okay. So
2: it's, it was, it's really difficult to pick five in order.
1: Oh, sure. Sure.
2: It hurts so bad, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm doing it anyway, I guess. So number five is Liveage by Descendants. Well,
1: so oh wow, Descendants so early on! I like this. Yeah, well, thing is, is that that was the first
2: record I owned by them, and they became my favorite band. Like nice. after listening to them for a while. And I would think that Liveage and Hallraker would be connected together because they were recorded mainly at the same show, um, which was in Minneapolis at First Avenue. And
0: <laughs> nice.
2: Which is I know you would yeah, you would think that was awesome, Terry. Uh, but that <laughs> um <laughs> Liveage has like the hits on it, and then Hallraker has the sort of deeper cuts. So I kind of like them interchangeably and at the same time.
1: No, So you said that this was your first Descendants album.
2: Yes. Um, it was the first one that, that I could find. That's an interesting find. thing. It was the first one I could find. Mm-hmm.
1: So I'd heard
2: them and I actually heard them in Fugazi on the same day. Ooh,
1: that's but, a good day. <laughs> no, it was a good day, yeah.
2: And uh, I was on a family trip and I bought it in New Mexico. I think in Santa Fe. So my first impression after my first impression was like, I'd already started playing music. My first impression was like, my God, that drummer's good. (laughs) How was he holding that? How how was he doing all of that? And it it took years before I saw him play, like on a video or anything, because it didn't exist Mm -hmm. for them. Yeah, I mean, they were pretty obscure. You know, this would be the early 90s, we're still pretty obscure. Um, and yeah, the, I don't think I even saw them until a friend of ours like got a VHS that he bought from like Flipside or something. And we all went, we stopped everything we were doing that night and just drove over to his place to watch this video of them playing. And it was <laughs> like, this is the most amazing thing. Anyway.
0: Were you a drummer already at that point? Oh yeah, did, yeah, yeah. Does like yes. influence you at all or?
2: For sure. I mean, I would not have been a drummer at the time I first heard them. I was a drummer by the time I saw that video. Oh. So it was years. Wow. It was years. It was like four years.
0: So Seth knows. Uh Tom is a drummer, <laughs> right. uh, in a couple of Atlanta bands, Juniper and Sleep.
2: Sleep therapy.
0: Sleep therapy. Oh, I almost said it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <close. laughs> sorry.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of these, well, I mean, a few of these are pretty, are seen through that lens. This one especially, because Bill Stevenson's so awesome.
1: I also just remember those days of like, basically, you're introduced to something, and because it's the 90s and there isn't really any internet yet, Mm -hmm. you can't just go to YouTube and look up a quick video and know what they look like. They remain a mystery in your brain forever. They were for so long. And... Yeah. You just go to
0: dogpile and hope there's a GeoCities of that (laughs) fan fan page.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't even think that we... There was, the internet existed when I graduated high school, but you would have to go to the like library to watch it or use it, Right, go to like, what was it? Virtual Irish pub or some stupid chat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it took forever. And then I didn't even, I didn't, they, they were broken up by that point and they were playing in the band all for a while. But I grew up on Hilton Head and like, we didn't have shows here. Right. Especially not, yeah. that it's not at all. And I didn't see them until um, late 96. I was a huge fan. Giant fan. Still am. Love that band.
1: Nice. Cool. Yeah. Right. And it's just so cool, too, to be introduced to a favorite band where the first album you buy is a live album, too. So you're kind of like getting like an authentic slice right from the beginning.
2: It was literally the only thing they had in this record store.
1: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's another thing I, I, I think most younger folks today don't remember, which is that like, yeah, I remember my first Smith's album was um Louder Than Bombs. Not because it was my favorite Smith's album. It was just the only one I could find. Right. <laughs> so it's like that that's that's the one. <laughs> like yeah. I don't have an option, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean I I I tried so hard and for years eventually I think a bunch of us just did the mail order thing through SST to get the rest of their records. But Yeah, anytime anybody got a new one, it would inevitably be shared.
1: I also liked the... Uh, I, obviously I used to do this a lot more because now that we have the internet, we don't need to, uh, going into a nice local record store that's willing to do this and, uh, having them order something for you. I kind of miss those days. Like that was, it felt very special at the time. (laughs) Yeah. Like
0: (sighs) I used to work at a record store and do that for folks, but yeah, it would take so long for that shit to
2: come through. Definitely. I had friends of mine that were pretty early on the mail order thing, it, or at least it seemed pretty early. I'm sure people were doing this for years, but like getting stuff directly from a record label that whenever they would inevitably just send extra stuff. So you'd get extra things and you'd hear to yeah. hear about other bands on that label. Um, but yeah. Cool. I love it. Number four. Okay. <laughs> uh, the live Roxy Music album called live wow nice so i heard this um i think i was i think i just had spotify play through a playlist and it just kept playing mm-hmm. and this live version of Into the Blue or excuse me Out of the Blue My Bad by Proxy <laughs> Music came out and I was like wow that's 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 much faster and more aggressive than their original this much must be really old and it wasn't it was from their 2001 reunion tour and the whole record's kind of like this where it's everything's like way faster and more aggressive than the original. Nice. It didn't have everybody from the original band. I mean, it didn't have Eno. But it did have Paul Thompson playing drums, which, though they've used other... And I apologize ahead of it to constantly talk about drummers, but it's <laughs> what's going to happen. You, you can always tell a drummer by how, yeah, much, how they much they talk about, talk about drummers. <laughs> um, but, yeah. uh, like, Andy Newmark, who had played on he at least played on Avalon um but he had played with other folks like Peter Gabriel Sly and the Family Stone he was not on this record and i thought for sure he was but it kind of came clear when the Avalon songs came up and they were also being like really aggressively played and i was like oh it's Paul Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool that
0: you can pick that out, though.
2: Well, I mean, Andy Newmark has a pretty distinctive way of playing, but I mean, I probably, I don't know if everybody would agree with that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, uh, it's got a decent range. I just like the fact that it was just more aggressive and kind of a different. It was surprising because it was their reunion and they're older. By right, I think almost two decades from when they yeah broke wait up. when did this come out? Do you... they, they was recorded in two thousand one? Oh, interesting. They broke up in 83, 82, something. right, and yeah, it was shocking how much more exciting <laughs> they were playing. I mean, it can be pretty boring. Sorry, <laughs> but i I still love all even their quieter moments. But it was it was like a real live show. And it was an interesting way to hear some of the more subtle stuff, I suppose. (laughs) Check it out. Yeah. It's it's the one with the weird gold cover. Uh, Number three, uh, you said the banks of the muddy whatever. I chose, not that, but (laughs) the live and loud show that they play that was on the re-release of In Utero. Uh, which I saw, apparently not live, but it had been pre-recorded in '93.
1: Like airing somewhere. Like it was air- well, it something? was aired
2: on New Year's Eve, '93 uh, to '94, mm. and I saw that show. I was obsessed with that band at that point, and
1: of course, I mean Nirvana. I think if you weren't obsessed with Nirvana, you were lying to yourself. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm sure some will disagree a lot. with me, but. I had
2: I had a ton of friends that were in complete denial that have gotten older and have accepted them as a Absolutely. really good band. At the very least, a very good band.
1: I, I think the same thing happened to the Beatles, too. I, I think there is this... Um, uh, a contrarian streak mm-hmm. that goes into a lot of people where if they hear something is extremely popular, something inside them... And, and you know what? Maybe it's instinctual. Maybe it's a good instinct. Who knows?
2: Just I do it go, all the time. I
1: can't like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, do I do that time. a
0: lot of... I do it, especially with movies, when it gets so much hype. And then by the time I see it, I'm like, well, this didn't live up to everyone else's hype. Thanks for ruining it for me. But that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It's just, like, doesn't live up to the hype that everyone else has built up uh, for this thing to be. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, No, and and I think a good way to experience those things that have been overhyped are things like live albums or b-sides or outtakes. Like this this is a very very dumb thing that I'm sure many people have something similar to this. When I first heard the Beatles growing up, they were just that thing that played in the grocery store and that mm-hmm. thing that was in commercials and stuff. Like I didn't think of them as a band. Then um back when the Beatles Anthology trilogy came out, those 3 CDs in the mm-hmm. 90s, mm-hmm. Beatles Anthology 2, when I heard that, suddenly what color I was hearing was that one? all these Oh gosh! Is it the um, one of the Because they were different. They zone? were different colors, right?
2: Yeah. Oh no no! You're oh, thinking no, no, about no. those oh, other ones. Oh okay. They're yeah. I know which one you're talking. You're
1: about. thinking of the year ones. Because there's the blue yeah, 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 one and the yeah. red one. Right, And then after that was, gotcha. was the trilogy of the but Beatles those, anthology that tied in with that documentary. But I think even those
0: had um, different covers. There was like an Apple one. And then there was like a one that had, had like, I think maybe black and white, just little snippets of pictures all over it.
1: Because I think what it was, was if you lined all three covers up, they all meshed together and made oh. a, uh, a mosaic kind of thing of like a wall covered in like gig posters yeah. and stuff. But but oh, long yeah. story short, basically yeah. <laughs> the um this album was just a bunch of like alternate takes and like live versions and B-sides to Beatles songs. And so for the first time in my life, I was actually hearing Beatles as a new song, as a new band. And that's when I realized how good the Beatles were. Because it wasn't this song that I had heard in the background 500 times. It was a new song that I heard this band play. And I was like, oh, I get it. I understand why the Beatles are good now. I'm, I'm, I'm into this. Now I can actually reevaluate and re-listen to everything with this fresh set of ears. And, yeah. and I really appreciated that. And I, I I think I I bet some Nirvana fans would feel that way if they just watched like, I don't know, let's say um uh not not to I hope this isn't on anyone's list and I'm giving it away, but like the uh MTV live unplugged Nirvana. You know what I mean? Like something right. like that where it's like, oh that's that song. I'm hearing it in a slightly different way. That's cool. Now I can appreciate this for itself, you know? Yeah. I mean,
2: I thought the covers the Unplugged show were better than the original songs that they did. Personally,
1: oh for sure, and yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll talk about that one later. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. man, oh man, that Bowie um, cover in there, I mean, Amazing. I mean, The lead Pilling, the Led one
2: was my favorite. But anyway, uh, mm-hmm, totally. The so oh the reason I chose the live and li- live and loud one has a lot to do with the set list. It wasn't just like live and Reading where it's Never mind him before, and it's not like it was uh,
1: from the muddy banks of the Wish. Wasn't that a mishmash? So. And that was, not
2: to say that I don't like a mishmash
1: of yeah, different shows. Yeah, I think that was multiple shows. Yeah, right. and um, I think you could pretty clearly hear this this the noise quality differences too, which is always kind of yeah. uh, something that takes me out of it. You know,
2: I mean, this was like a big, big boy production, and like right. MTV, the whole bit. I was so pleased when they uh, reissued it with. The in utero deluxe ex- extra special version. Um, cause I could finally hear what he was laughing about during uh, Penny Royal tea. Which, what was it? You're a prick. Somebody from the crowd <laughs> saying you're a, screamed, You're a prick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he just
2: laughed. And he was, yeah, he laughed. And I thought that was a great thing because I couldn't hear what he was, but the person in the crowd said ever. Yeah. I always, That's I, cool. I mean, they also had. Pat Smear in the band at the time, so it was extra. Yeah.
0: I don't ever go back and listen to, like, the extra stuff on deluxe reissues if I already own, like, the original. Because I just always assume, like, you know, it's all the things I already know. And then I just don't ever hmm. look. Um, I know, that's I too know. Bad. There's,
1: there's some good stuff hidden there. <laughs> that's usually <Yeah>. the <laughs> first yeah. thing I look for.
2: It's like, what extra stuff did they give me? Because I want to hear that. Yeah. Maybe that's uh, my... Uh,
0: that's like my contrarian streak. <laughs> <laughs> a, I had a huge the original. One
1: in my mind. <laughs> Do you guys remember the bonus disc for the special edition? I think it was the legacy edition of Jeff Buckley's Grace. Do you guys remember that bonus disc? No.
0: I I have it on vinyl, um, actually.
1: Amazing songs. Amazing songs on there. Was and it, um, I, speaking of, lo- lo- oh, sorry, go ahead. Was it released on anything else and separately? Um, a few of the songs were exclusive to it. And a bunch okay. of them were just like live tracks, of course. Right. I had that one
2: live record.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, he had a few. Which he I had prefer. Live all Olympia. He had Mystery White Boy. Mm-hmm. He had mm. Live at Sinead. He had a lot of live albums. Mm-hmm. That, that uh, Jeff he did. he did was good stuff. Yeah. And then, um, REM, I remember when they did special edition, legacy edition CDs, they also put out some live shows, uh, in their compilations, which I really, really enjoy because it's, um, it's early REM, like, like these came with like uh murmur and uh, stuff like that. So hearing mm-hmm. a live high quality recording of a REM murmur era show is just astonishing to me because clearly I can never hear that, you know, like right. that's that that's, I I would need a time machine to experience that. So it's, I don't know. I I really appreciate era specific live shows for bands that changed so drastically in their career. Cause I mean like the IRS era REM compared with like the Warner brothers REM are so different and I like them both, but they're different bands, like full blown, you know,
2: I'm sure they would complain about the Copelands and their budgets and why IRS couldn't afford to do
1: anything. (laughs) <laughs> and why they eventually had yeah. to go with them? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> uh, let's see. So that was your number three. So, so what, yes. what you got for number two? Um, one o one by Depeche Mode. Oh, nice.
2: Uh, it has. Less to do with the video, which I saw long after I heard it. Long, not totally. I actually first heard anything off 101 on the, I think it was the Say Anything soundtrack. I could be wrong. I think that's right. It had stripped on it, which I didn't then hear as the recorded version until long after that. And it became completely clear that whatever they were doing at that era was... It kind of put into perspective how a band can improve upon what they were doing, especially when you are playing to machines, drum machines or sequencers and whatnot, and how they can just improve things. And uh, yeah, I didn't realize how little uh, Fletch was doing until watching the video either. (laughs) (laughs)
0: i will say like i didn't know they had a live album but having seen them live that was like one of the best shows i've ever been to
2: yeah and i
1: I, I, when did you guys see them
0: um gosh that was like a few times i think mine was like 2012 or something like that at land so
1: nice and deep in their career yeah landmark or whatever it's called basically playing the angel aaron's Aaron's a
0: what is that place called? Aaron's Amphitheater or whatever it's called now. That's where I saw them outside. Oh, it was yeah. cool.
2: Yeah. I've only, think I've ever seen them there. Is it called Aaron's now?
0: It's, it keeps changing names. So I always forget.
2: You mean Hi Fi Buys or Lakewood or whatever?
0: <laughs> Lakewood was the other one. Yeah. I kept saying, Oh, no, no, no. I'd only ever seen so that's them in a Lakewood. Cinema. <laughs> I've
2: only ever that's seen the them in That's the same Lakewood. thing as, <laughs> yeah, it? it's the
0: same thing oh, that's, as I Aaron's. How- yeah.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess that particular version of that particular song got me. I would, it's the type of song that I would listen to on repeat while I was sleeping. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Big fan. Of
1: that. I, I actually love it when you can find, uh, cause it, at least for me, it's a very specific like tone for like, Hey, this is my nap album. This is my nap TV show. <laughs> you know, this is, mm-hmm. this is like the it, it, interesting enough to keep you, to keep your mind from like reeling. But at least familiar enough that you can sleep to it it's a very it's a very delicate balancing space there for me
2: <laughs> yeah i mean it was I, I could somehow sleep to this dance record all the time and i don't know how that was possible but it was love it it's beautiful <laughs> number one scream in blue live by midnight oil By far, my favorite live record. And it has to do with the fact that, well, I think I was listening to that. We would listen to it all the time growing up. And even the songs that everybody knows are not even close to the best songs on the record. And the versions that are on here, particularly the ones that were on early records by them, are incredible and it's also recorded over a long period uh so it's taken from you know disparate live shows but disparate live shows over the years Mm -hmm. over a decade or so anyway they um yeah another really good drummer who also sang backups (laughs) and who i got (laughs) to see when they went on a reunion tour and they proceeded to play every song way too fast and for two hours <laughs> and they're like 60 years old and killing it dead cool.
1: uh, it's a pretty wild combination they played really fast and for a really long time yeah i know <laughs> i i was
2: just i was so impressed with how much they were playing <laughs>
1: just physically yeah. like how many notes were being played a lot of notes
2: <laughs> too many notes
1: because yeah, when I think about the um, you know reunion groups uh, playing a fast show, I think about like oh the Stooges or the Ramones, mm-hmm. and they're done in a half hour. You oh, know? No, they like, played forever. I was yeah, it was
2: amazing. <laughs> I I don't know how many songs they played at that. It just it was just really impressive. Like they couldn't wait to play again. And it's fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's all the way from Australia. I don't. I don't That's think cool. I ever even really had the chance to see them growing up, right? Necessarily. I mean, I'm gonna look
1: that up because I, I haven't heard a single note from that. I.
2: I, it, I think it might not even be in print anymore.
1: Oh well, I, I can hunt. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a Discogs guy. But, I there can you find go. Stuff. Oh, I'm sure you can find it on, <laughs>
2: on Discogs. that CD, or wait, did we have it on tape? My brother bought it. I didn't buy it. My brother bought it, and I would. He would just play it all the time,
1: and I stole it from him. Sorry. <laughs> I have a few of those (laughs) for my older brother. (laughs) Nice. Nice. I I dig your list. Uh, uh, Lots of good recommendations. Lots of good things to listen to later. Uh, Yeah. Hey, hey, Tara, you you got a top five for us?
0: Oh, yeah. I got it. Um, I have to say, I realized that I don't really listen to live albums very much. uh, So it kind of made it easy for me because the ones that I love are like the only ones I've ever really listened to anyway. So I don't know if that's good or bad but um it definitely made for this process to be a lot easier for me um <laughs> so let's see I my so number five is from 2008 it's Tori Amos live at Moncho that's a um I think she did two shows at Moncho Jazz Festival and it's like I think both from both of those shows yeah, no. but um i chose this one because i actually listened to more of this um i don't know if you call it a single but it was hey jupiter and it had other songs on uh on it from other live shows that she did um Mm. So like each of those live songs that were on that, Hey Jupiter, um, sort of, it was like a maxi single or whatever. It wasn't like a single. Do you know what I'm talking about? It wasn't an EP. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a single. It was like bigger than a single, but like not an EP. So we're
1: talking like four or five songs, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. It was like a single with bonus content or something. Uh, Totally. Ah. Yeah. It was the single for Hey Jupiter, but it had like all these other live songs on it. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Um, Yeah. Anyways. And so, and I love that so much. So I had to choose a Tori Amos um, album because of that. Um, but I love this one too. But what I really like about her performances or her at least recorded performances is that she tells these funny stories in between the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, one of them, like before she plays this song Leather, she's like, you know, I was pl- I was playing this, I was telling uh, this person about this song and I played it for him, and he said, if you play this song live, you're going to ruin your career. And then she's like, so I played it. And, and then she plays it for the <laughs> audience. And, and I just love her sort of banter in between songs. It's They're always like really cute stories. Like, I dated yeah. this guy for so long, and he doesn't know how many sugars I take in my tea kind of a thing. And it's just like, I love that so much. Um, and then she plays sugar or whatever song, honey. Um, and then also on that live album, she does a cover of smells like teen spirit. Um, Mm. and you know, it starts out really quiet and sort of hauntingly beautiful, but then it's just like her banging on the piano as hard as she can. It's really good cover. Um, so yeah, that's my number five. Is this
1: concert a solo on a piano or does she have any kind of backing band with her?
0: I feel like it was just her.
1: I, I honestly love a um solo piano live show like there there's something just very intimate about that and I feel like that like that that also kind of lends itself to lots of storytelling and lots of just kind of like personalization you know yeah I, I dig that
0: yeah I feel like it was just her I'm like trying to remember it was oh good yay yeah I, I'm <laughs> like do I just focus on only her or like did she have a band <laughs> uh
1: that's good no, we, we all have our things That we focus and don't focus on Like I, I could never name Any lyrics for you ever Like lyrics basically Don't exist to me They're just mouth noises
0: That's so funny And Tom is like I can I'm only also the same Name way. drummers Tom is like Well no that's not her. true yeah. <laughs>
1: That's <laughs> how I you wasn't.
0: know hers That's how you know hers Wasn't with a band Because there was no drummer
2: I do I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean I <laughs> would probably have listened to it more if it had what's his name on it? <laughs> Drums. Who is the drummer? But he was also, I think he wait, did he also produce some of it? No, he produced some stuff with Fiona Apple, but they have the same drummer.
0: Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that.
2: Mhm. I forgot Drum effects. Mhm. <laughs> mhm.
0: All right. So, my number 4, um Seth is going to laugh at this, but it is Sonic Youth. Shocker. Battery Park, New York City, July Fourth, two thousand
1: eight. Um. <laughs> well, they have what's like, the cover uh, for this one? Because because all, all of the Sonic um, Youth live albums, I can only tell them apart by their covers.
0: I think it had Kim like front and center on it, but. Also, this was only digitally released, not pressed. Oh, okay.
1: Okay. Um, I, 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 I think I'm picturing it in my head, yeah.
0: Yeah. But, um, you know, they have like a gajillion billion live albums. But um, this mm. one is a really good one because they play stuff from like the early years and then on up until uh, Rather Ripped. So it's sort of really yeah. a comprehensive show of all of their great songs across the years, across the decades. Um, and then there's also this sort of moment in it Where um, I think it I think it was Lee Ronaldo Or Tom uh, What's his face? Uh, Thurston my, That's my cat's name It's so like how do I not think about what his name is Anyways, uh, Thurston is like Do I start this one or do you? To Lee And Lee's like, you start it And uh, But uh, Thurston says Something like, together forever But then they break up like three years later <laughs> So I don't know.
1: That
2: was funny. Yeah. Um, I know sad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. I did I did get her audio book and it I don't blame her at all.
0: Oh man. Yeah,
1: no, I I agree. It's it's just so silly too. I I love that part in Kim's book where she's like, and it's so fucking stereotypical. You know? Like she just points out like how like by the book midlife crisis this all was. And it's it's ridiculous that like what a my little favorite is gone. I'm not
2: gonna lie. It's a li- it was a little surprising. It's like, really?
1: That? I was, yeah.
0: I know. Come yeah. on. Yeah. I was I mean,
1: I don't know this new woman in his life, but I can guarantee you she's nowhere near as cool as Kim Gordon. Like I can guarantee it. No. You know? There's, yeah. there's no chance. No way. Well, I mean, he's and
2: what has it, he done since? He's he's narrating Oh, He's done a lot, Nat, actually. Nat, well, Nat Geo documentaries about prison
0: he's done a lot he's he has a bunch of albums out with his other band i uh, know
2: i'm just saying (laughs) (laughs) it was really funny that he did that too
1: yeah yeah no he's he's uh he's an interesting dude i just think it's too bad that you know he's also a a middle-aged stereotype now like like i wouldn't be surprised if we see him in london tooling around in a little convertible because that's his thing now you know like yeah it's he's a stereotype yeah
0: um But a funny thing that she does say about um, just performing live in general, or at least playing noise music is, uh, just to bring it back to the whole live thing, Mm -hmm. she says that noise music is a lot more fun to play than it is to listen to. I love (laughs) that so much.
1: Uh, As both a person who makes noise music and a person who listens to noise music, I fully agree. But, you know... That's it. It is yeah. what it is. It's fun. It, it, yeah. it, 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 it's fun in both regards.
0: <laughs> but I think they're even more fun to listen to because you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, they can start yeah. a song just mm. as it is on the studio, but the uh, studio album. But then it'll keep going like 30 minutes later, like all this just noise, like it just keeps going. Mm. Um, it's interesting. To hear just kind of how they will twirl those sounds around and turn into like a totally different song or or what, but yeah. Yeah.
1: I love yeah. It. No, Tara. This reminds me. We, we should do top five noise albums someday. That's that'll be a tough one. Ooh. But but that that that's one we should tackle one of these days. Yes.
0: We should definitely add that one to the list totally. for sure. Totally. All right. So uh, that was number four. Number three, which you guys have already talked about, and I know that it's no surprise that it's on here, and perhaps it overlaps, but um, Nirvana, MTV Unplugged, New nice. York, 94. We upon
2: the stairs, walls well, yeah, it was
1: like
0: it was like the first time that I ever heard of. The Man Who Sold the World, actually. Mm, I wow. didn't know that was a... I did not know that was a David Bowie song until I heard um, Nirvana play it on this album. I mean, I was a mere 13 or 14 when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's... I don't think a reflection on me, but I, I learned so much just from that album. Um, and then also, like... Uh, he died in April of '94, um, and oh, I yeah. had like a folder, a folder of articles that I printed out from the library at school about <laughs> uh, about all of like any article that I found that, of his death. Um, just kept it in a little folder, and I had so many everything I could find about them. I would keep have a little keepsake of. But um, so when this came out, November '94. It was like, ah, oh, I have to have it immediately. So it was kind of, it was like a gift, you know,
1: yeah, from Kurt,
0: recently what, passed.
1: What One of the really special things I've heard about it, obviously I wasn't there, um, was that um, I was watching a little documentary about the entire um, MTV Unplugged era, you know? And um, apparently for most MTV Unplugged shows, they do it kind of... Um, Almost like it's it's like a studio recording where like what they'll do is they'll do something and if it doesn't go quite right, they'll they'll do it again and they'll just kind of like they'll they'll treat it like they're recording an album, you know? They'll they'll take multiple takes, they'll um they'll polish it, they'll do overdubs, whatever. Apparently the Nirvana show is one of the only ones ever that was just a legit like, hey, we're playing a concert from beginning to end. That is the show, and so I, I think you can you can hear that on the album. I think you really can hear just kind of like the um, the concertness of it, like 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 the yeah. synced chunk that it is. And I, I think that it feels good. And, and like you're saying about not knowing that the covers were covers, I'm sure I felt the same mm-hmm. thing as a kid. Mostly because they make those covers their own so much, like you can't really yeah. tell the difference from one to the other because Kurt is so good that, that they all just kind of like meld together in his voice and in his, um, in his delivery method, you know?
2: Yeah. Even, even the meat puppets ones, the meat, even yeah. with the meat puppets there, or at least some of them. <laughs> the yeah, <brothers.
0: laughs> that's true. But I mean, they sounded so different. His voice was so different because you know normally you hear it behind some fuzz and some just loud uh, Mm -hmm. grunge grungy rock you know and then his voice was so front and center on on that uh album and that show it was raw and scratchy and just you know the guitars are quiet and acoustic and it was totally different i loved it
1: yeah totally
2: i i loved it I thought I it was great, it.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I didn't
1: buy it when um, it came
2: out because I remember watching it and being like, "Oh boy, this guy—he's mm, gonna do something bad." <laughs> oh, see, I, I didn't could, have I cable either. Of, oh, yeah. It was, uh, it was. It was. It was. Yeah. You, that that last song again—super sad. You're mm-hmm. just like, yeah. God, man.
0: Uh, all right. So on that note, <laughs> feels really sad now. Uh, all right. So my. Number two is General Donny Hathaway, live, 1972.
1: I didn't want to hurt you. No, I did
0: We were talking about how like, we don't normally buy live albums. Sometimes they just appear in our lives somehow. I think I... I got this album on vinyl, used, and I don't even know like what triggered me to buy it, but I'm so glad that I did because it's actually one that I play pretty regularly. It's on regular rotation at my house. Um, it's such a good album. Um, it's I think probably one of well, obviously it's on my number two, so it's obviously in my opinion one of the best live albums ever, ever. Um, but I just love it so much. It's funky sometimes. It's emotional sometimes. It's soulful all the time um, and again a couple covers on there that are just so good to hear Donnie Hathaway doing um, he does You've Got a Friend by Carole King and then my favorite of course is his cover of Jealous Guy the John Lennon song so good
2: also on the Roxy Music one hmm. same song Jealous Guy yeah
1: Oh, cool! People love a good John Lennon cover. It's, uh, it's yeah. been a staple well, ever since. That one's really good. Yeah, yeah ever, ever since his yeah. death, people people just love that John Lennon cover, and and I don't fault them. They're they're, they're right. They keep doing them, everyone.
0: Yeah, so good.
1: Now uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't think I know much about Donny Hathaway. what, what I'm what, reading what, about him. Right what, now. What's 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 the vibe on Donny Hathaway? Like like just to a complete noob. What, what what's the um, elevator pitch on him?
0: It's kind of he's kind of like Marvin Gaye. Okay. Kind of like... Um, well, one of the guys actually that plays on the album uh, went on to play with um, uh, Earth, Wind & Fire. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. very soulful, mm-hmm. um, classic soul. Yeah.
1: Nice. Ac-
2: according that to Wikipedia, whole- the genre is deep soul.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can you click so, on deep soul and figure out what the definition of that is? Because I'd be very curious. Oh, it just says
2: southern soul. I mean... Oh.
0: Okay. yeah, he well, has. Yeah, he does have... Kind of a gospel soulful vibe gotcha yeah
1: interesting man uh we, we've talked about uh the genre you know uh dissection on this uh, in this store many times before and uh, it is yeah. always fascinating hear, hearing the the very subtle differences from one thing to another and how we distinguish them and how how nonsense it is but how kind of fun it is to dissect that nonsense yeah oh, yes I
2: mean, yeah. my favorite my favorite Genre by far, sophista pop, and I just love the name of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can Wait, you what's give me an example <laughs> of sophista pop. Yeah, uh,
2: late era Roxy music. Okay, uh, pre prefab Sprout. Um, oh, well, like uh, yeah, Blue Nile. All that's yeah, the, I love the that stuff, stuff too. I, oh, the only stuff I listen to. I love it. I
0: never, yeah, Except I for, never know how to categorize that stuff because some of it, like a certain ratio, is like very. Jazzy, yeah. at the time uh, sort of free, freeform y yeah, kind of a were, thing, they fusion they a punk situation. Punk yeah. Initially. Also, that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, is Sophistopop, and this is obviously the first time I've heard this word, is Uh <laughs> Hold on, I'm thinking.
2: <laughs> well, no, uh, the certain ratio thing is pretty close. It would be something like. Because it it seems like Um, with the bands
1: you mentioned, there's obviously like a glam rock. Swing
2: Out Out Sister. Okay. And the drummer from, well, the drummer from Certain Ratio was in Swing Out Sister. That song.
1: We are learning so much about drummers today. I love it. (laughs) I know.
2: (laughs) But... (laughs) <laughs> Something sort of like that, where it's pop, but it's like jazz-influenced pop. Usually, huh, okay. blue-eyed
0: I'm dying here, sets, so I'm going to go ahead and go with my number one choice. Yeah. And that is Portishead, Rosalind Live, NYC, 1998. <laughs> I had this also... On VHS, I had the VHS and the yeah. CD. Um, yeah,
2: I'm jealous I loved
0: of it. Pick. Yeah, oh my gosh, so good. Um, like, obviously you have the strings element, the brass, but then you have the electronic sort of at more atmospheric elements, and then you had Andy Smith on the turntable, um, adding that whole element, and then, of course, Beth Gibbons. Man, it's... Also, I have to say, I've never seen any of these bands on my list
1: live. Oh, interesting. Maybe that's why Mm. I like the
0: live albums.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. It gives you sort of like a a surrogate live experience. That's interesting. A
0: surrogate live experience. Yeah. Yes.
1: (laughs) Hmm. I'm into it.
0: That's it. That's my list.
1: I love it. I love it. All right. Well, I I like your list. It's a good list. Thanks. And uh, so Thanks. far, Zero Overlap. I, l- I love it when wow. we have lists with Zero Overlap. It makes me so happy because... Uh,
0: I thought for sure with one of them well, that we would have. We
1: got five more, so we will see. All right, let's see. <laughs> All right, uh, my number five. Um, this actually ties into your Tori Amos one a little bit, Tara. Um, 2009, Glitter and Doom Live by Tom Waits.
0: And the book,
2: the of Paris. Mm, I was about to pick that one. Yeah, wow. that, that, that would have the, been the.
1: Nice. Idea. Now, obviously, the concert's great because it's um because it's old man Tom Waits. It's from I think his 2008 tour. So he's mm-hmm. he's deep in it. He he's he's living that old man life. And um, he's got so much, so much uh, of his catalog to pick from at that age. So he's doing all kinds of stuff from all over the place. Love it, love it, love it. There's nothing to argue with. It's recorded remarkably well. And it's just great. Mm. But here's why I really love it. Disc two on the album is a thing called Tom Tales. And it's about like 35, 36 minutes <laughs> of just his stage banter. There's it's no so music on the second disc. It's it just doesn't even wow. matter. it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just him it talking matter. for over a half hour and it's all stitched together from different shows. And it's just amazing. It just
0: it just I actually saw that t- I saw him on that tour at oh, the Fox nice. Theater. Oh, yeah, and he had yeah. like a he had like a podium and it had like Probably baby powder or something sprinkled on it, and he would stomp on it for oh, percussion's sake. But glitter. also, it would like du- like powder or dust or something would just like fly up. It looked so cool and sounded yeah. Great.
2: I I think I was I was at that same show, and I was really close. I like mortgaged things to get really close <laughs> on that one, and uh, I think I was pretty drunk, <laughs> but it, I was. For sh- I, when I first when that record first came out, I was convinced that I would hear myself screaming oh, I love that. that lucky day. <laughs> Yeah. I, well, I, I know it, for a yes. fact
1: that there, there is some elements from the Atlanta show on that live album. Because I know he mm-hmm. compiled it from the entire tour. So I think it was something like 10 or 11 different concerts were compiled into mm-hmm. one. Which which also meant that whoever was doing like the engineering for re- actually recording him on the tour did an amazing job. Because it feels like one show. So mm-hmm. good for all of them. And um, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that, that's all I can say about it. Tom Waits is great and uh, that's a really nice live concert and, and listen to that second disc I, I i don't know who out there um can get their hands on it but everyone out there should get their hands on the second disc in particular tom tales number four 2001 i might be wrong live recordings by radiohead <laughs>
0: I knew that's, you would have a radio head on here. It's a
1: weird era. Um, the kid radiohead. A Amnesiac era. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh wait.
2: Oh, I'm thinking I'm thinking 2003. My bad.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. This this, this is this is. And you know pre- what I mean by that. Yes, 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 yes. This is um basically they didn't tour for kid A at all. And so mm-hmm. then they toured for Amnesiac. Which basically became the two or four kid A and amnesiac at the same time, and that album in particular. There's so many amazing things on it, but um, uh, of course it's the um, I say of course like anyone else gives a shit about this, but me. But it's of course um the uh, first uh, recorded appearance of True Love Waits, which became like an epic song. Oh yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. But the first time it ever appeared on an album was on this live album, which to me was pretty astonishing. Like, good for them for doing that, you know. Um.
2: Let's they see, had that song before then though, right?
1: Oh yeah, that, that was like, we, like a 90s would, song. Uh, that,
2: was like, that was sort of the one that we would listen to constantly,
1: that song. Totally, totally. And then um, after that, basically, um, the other big highlight on there for me was, okay, so their song from Amnesiac, Like Spinning Plates, that's the one where they had uh, a demo version of I Will, and they didn't like it, so they started playing it backwards, and then they liked it better. So then Tom just started singing backwards on top of that song, and it turned into the song Like Spinning Plates. But when they performed it live, they didn't they couldn't do that cuz that would be weird. So they didn't just want to like play back, you know, a karaoke track for him to sing over. So Tom had to learn how to play a backwards song forwards on piano, and that recording on that live album just makes me really happy. Just like the the um ingenuity and like the um, you know, the, the, they're very virtuosic Radiohead. You know, like like they're very yeah they're very smart and progressive and all those things too, but they're actually just really good musicians full stop as well. And that's, I think that's why they are so great in my opinion, at least, you know,
2: I don't want to bring up the drummer again, but feel so way. Not so much. <laughs> Sorry.
1: I, I want you to bring up drummers from now on. Just I will, I will I do it whenever
2: it's notable.
1: By the I way, uh, Tom
2: Waits, his son played on the, uh, the glitter and doom shows.
1: Oh, that's so his cool. Son, who? Wait, who,
2: his son, who said his, it? Uh, Tom Waits' his son played on the Glitter and Doom tour with him.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Because I, I know his Phil wife Selway, um, still. also uh, joins him in his in his music making all the time too. So, yes. what a fun yes. little project to have like your wife and your son just like you know joining in all of you like sharing the same interest. That's that sounds amazing to me. Yeah. All right, number three. Um, this is one that I thought uh, perhaps Tara and uh, Tom. Now that I know you better, that I thought maybe you would have slipped this on there. But, uh but no uh no one said it yet uh 2003 is when this version came out but originally came out in 1993 live at Chennai now the Jeff Buckley album but I'm mm-hmm. specifically mm-hmm. talking about the expanded edition You know, cause like, so the original yeah. version came out in 93 and it was four songs long. And that was like the first mm-hmm. Jeff Buckley release. It was like the first time anyone ever heard him. And then a decade later when they released it in 2003, it, it, it went from four songs to two discs. Like it suddenly, it was like, I, yeah. I think, how long was it? Didn't like, he basically live there? Yes.
2: Yeah. He
0: played there like every Monday or something. Yeah.
1: Totally. And, and like yeah, hearing I, that era so, so well documented it just feels amazing. It feels like you're at a Jeff buckley Shanae show when you yeah. listen to that album. Because you get all of his little banter. You get him, mm-hmm. like, saying hi to the people in the audience. You get him, yeah. like, yelling and arguing with people about, like, uh, you know, his favorite musicians. And it's all just him with his Telecaster just stomping on mm-hmm. the floor and doing nothing. It's just... it's just, it's just he, he was such a talent. You know, obviously, anyone yeah. who knows and loves Jeff Buckley knows that, but... um
0: yeah. His voice is so powerful, which is why he's able to just be him and his Telecaster on a stage like that. And his voice is so great. It was for me a tie between Tori Amos and that one for number uh, five. Mm. I decided I listened to Tori Amos live more than Jeff Buckley mm-hmm. live, so I went with it. But yes, it almost we almost had an overlap.
1: Nice.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you included it.
1: It's it's a it's a great show. it's 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 one that I listen to on road trips often because it almost feels like an audiobook or like a play because it is so mm-hmm. long and drawn out, but you, it's all contained. It's it's just great. I really love that album. Yeah. Super
2: good. Yeah, I mean I I I actually preferred the the Live record that had the whole band on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because he did have such a good band.
1: Oh, for sure. How was how his drummer?
2: <laughs> yeah, excellent. <laughs> I rip him off constantly. I mean, because he was so young when he died, and he was so young when he did those shows, it, they kind of brought out sort of a juvenile aspect.
1: Yeah. That, yeah.
2: you know, he was like... Playful, but not always in the, I don't know. I just found sometimes, and this is no knock, mm-hmm. he was a little bit annoying when he
1: would talk. Oh, no, no, I 100% <laughs> follow you. Like, um, I've watched a couple of documentaries about him, and um, mm-hmm. he has this, like, and, and again, no knock, like you said, he's got a pretentious quality. Like he talks about mm. his dreams and their meanings very often. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> and, like, dude, I could care less.
2: Yes. I and mean, you sing great, but sometimes you sing too much.
1: But but no, but I, and, I completely agree with you that like I think his juvenile dumbness factors into partially why I like him too. Cause it kind of makes his whole thing just a little bit sadder and a little bit weirder. Because most yeah. people, when they're that good, are much more polished and know better than to talk about their dreams for 15 minutes on stage. <laughs> But yeah, he doesn't know it yet. He's still just like this dumb kid, which shows not only how talented he was, but how um how little he experience he had like within like the system. Like like he hadn't been in the rock tunnel yeah. enough. You know his his rough edges were still there. He was still right. This- he he
2: hadn't been jaded by like everything by like me.
1: Yeah, exactly. Bringing up so, the fact
2: that yeah that I found him a little annoying.
1: Uh, yeah.
2: But no, I mean I I. The stuff that came out eventually came out on the uh, sketches for My Sweetheart Drunk. uh, That stuff was just so much more lived in, yeah, or not lived in, but just more mature in general.
1: It's it's extremely sad that we'll never get anything past that point because yeah, there was obviously so much goodness coming out of him in such a small amount of time. We, we, we were robbed, you know, the entire world mm-hmm. was robbed of some amazing Jeff Buckley content for the rest of his life, or, or what should have been his life, you know?
2: Yeah, don't go in the Mississippi River with boots on.
1: <laughs> All right, and my number two, uh, it's the 2008 album Remember by the Fiery Furnaces. Now, uh, the wild thing about this album, I guess kind of ties into what we were saying about clipping earlier about like, Hey, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of live albums out there in the world. Do something different with it. Uh, Have have either of you guys heard this before? Uh,
2: I mean, heard the band, but
1: The, the live album is very unusual. Uh, here, well, here's the first thing about them. Um, Fiery Furnaces, when they play live, they never play the album version. I don't know if it's just boredom for them or they just want to push themselves. I, I don't know what why, but they literally have never played an album version on tour they, they just make up a brand new song that happens to have the same lyrics or they, they create these weird medleys they, they just do something interesting and, and personally i just really appreciate that because it gives me like a reason to really want to go see them live and see what they're up to and all that kind of stuff so they would really cool. like
2: this the song would be completely different Almost mm-hmm. entirely,
1: yes, and, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's 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 <laughs> astonishing, and it, it's also one reason why I love a good bootleg of the fiery furnaces too, because that you're hearing something you will never hear anywhere else. Yeah, um, so th- I think they kind of realized that too. So they put out this live album that it's it's very unlike other live albums. I'm, I'm sure partially it was just like by design because they had to work with what they had, because it's collecting basically their entire careers worth of live shows. And they're cutting from one song to the next, sometimes multiple times within the same song. So it'll be like a performance of them playing Blueberry Boat in like you know 2001. Then it splices right into a version of them playing Blueberry Boat in like 2004. Then it cuts splices into like an in studio <laughs> version of so... them playing a, a cover of Blueberry Boat, so that it like overlaps into the next song. And so what is it's got to be something like 60 something songs? They turn it into just one huge two-hour medley basically and it just keeps going from like live show to a different live show to like an in-studio overdub to like back to a different live show and it just it's just it just swirls around you it's like being inside a live show tornado and it's it's just Calm fascinating down. to hear like 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 <laughs> it is such a conventional thing to make a live album hearing someone pushing those boundaries and doing something different with it just just makes me happy yeah and, and also they're, they're just one of my favorite bands so for, for many reasons that's that's why uh remember is my number 2
0: i've never i didn't know they had a live album i've seen them live and you're right like on one hand, it's cool mm-hmm. that their shows are so unique every time. But on the other hand, you kind of just want to hear their songs, how they were recorded, you know, like yeah. live though. Yeah, um, Like if
2: it's it, not, but, are you saying it's like not even close sometimes?
1: You probably it's, wouldn't recognize it for the most part. Like it, it, it takes usually a recognition of lyrics or a recognition of like, like 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 there's one for example. Yeah. Um I I'm I'm going to get this wrong, but I believe they started playing, oh gosh, it was a Michael Jackson song and then they just sang their lyrics over it instead of his lyrics. <laughs> and it's like, "Wow, what are you even doing Dude. right now?" <laughs> you know. That's crazy.
2: I mean, that is sort of like, "Oh, who are they?" I'm forgetting the name. Why am I doing this? Continue <laughs> talking. I'll remember in a minute. Okay. They, they 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 were the ones who did the uh the the rise above cover quote unquote cover with just like this is oh dirty projectors yeah dirty projectors just like dude come on now yeah this has nothing to do with that
1: well from what i heard and again i don't i don't know the the guy uh Mm -hmm. the, the dirty projectors guy i heard he made the entire rise above cover album based on memory like, he, he didn't actually re-listen to it or yeah, anything? Yeah, He was just like, right, what do but I like, remember? It didn't sound I anything think. like
2: <laughs> it's Right, true. right, right. But it's like, it's so far off. It's like, come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I mean, what they're doing sounds really neat. What that was, I was just sort of like, come on. Stop it. <laughs> this isn't what you really think stop it sounds it. like. <laughs> yeah, come on. You know that you don't sound like Henry Rollins right here. Get real. <laughs>
0: I'm going to um I think I mean like I said I didn't know they had a live album so I'm going to I definitely want to hear it now the way that you yeah, described it I just can't really imagine it so I have to hear it now.
1: Yeah, right now. Goodbye.
0: Right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. And my number 1 I'm astonished how well this is all going to tie together. Uh, because this is what kicked us off when we were talking about live shows where you can actually hear the opening act on the album itself. Uh, right now, uh, my number one is At Folsom Prison by Johnny Cash.
2: I took this shot of cocaine and I shut my woman down I went right home
1: There, there's obviously so many good things to say about this album. I mean it's it's one of the most legendary albums of all time. Um it's uh to me it's perhaps Johnny Cash's best album. It's it's definitely in contention. You know what I mean? It's it's just a nice encapsulation of who he is and what he cared about and what he was doing and all those things. But the, the really cool thing that I guess ties into what we were talking about is that if you listen to the Legacy Edition, because um, the, the actual version on the album, he took two shows and combined them into one. The Legacy Edition has all the tracks from all the concerts. And basically, um, his backing band and the people with him, Carl Perkins and the Statler Brothers, you hear them play, like, warm up for him and, like, have, like, all the announcements and, like, all that stuff. And it actually, it's, it's nice because it does make, like, it's the whole live experience, not just one performance – it's everything, and, and it's just it's just nice. Like you don't hear it often enough, and I really dig it in this one specific place, in particular, because this concert is such a legendary. You know, it's a, it's an event. It's a thing that everyone cares about and everyone really loves. And hearing oh, and here's the rest of it. It kind of reminds me of the Jeff Buckley thing, where it's like, hey, you love those four tracks. Here's fucking three hours. You know, and you're like, wow, right. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you know, so, wait, so were, I, were they on nice. the same label? Were they allowed oh. to do that? Um, I believe the legacy editions reach all, across all kinds of labels. Because, um, yeah, at least in my mind. Oh, no, no. no. But- I
2: mean, I'm the, we're, we're, Carl, were Carl Perkins and Johnny Cash on the same label so that they could have two of the same people on the same record?
1: Ooh, great question. Um, I'm guessing at that point they couldn't swing that. But at at this point, it was just seen as like such a, a historic event that, that someone in a contract room somewhere <laughs> figured it out. Well, yeah. I mean, it's Carl Perkins was like, "Please, oh, well, yeah. dead, please, please.
2: <laughs> that would be great." Just remind everyone like who I am. A little bit on there, please. Blue <laughs> um, suede shoes. We're good. Yes, please. Thank you.
1: But uh, Thank you. Uh, but yeah, that's my number one. I I, I love that album, and uh, the Legacy Edition is uh, is is really choice. I really, really, really enjoy the Legacy Edition.
0: That's awesome. It's a good choice. Is that-
1: Are these my birds? Classic. I think they are your birds. I I think there's a bird in the record store and perhaps a cricket, (laughs) but we'll 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 shoe them out. But 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 speaking of shooing people out, uh, we actually need to start getting ready to wrap up uh, the store today. We gotta gotta close things down. Uh, The last thing we need to do is uh, go and uh, stock our employee recommendation shelf. So here, let's uh, let's split up. We'll grab our uh, recommendations. And we'll meet back here in a couple of minutes. All right before we lock up for the night we need to refill the employee recommendation rack uh but before that i want to hear if anyone had any like shortlist contenders like what what are some things that almost made the list but didn't quite because it, it's again it's pretty astonishing we had no overlap we had 15 separate live albums from the three of us no overlap whatsoever so uh so hey hey terry you got anything
0: the only one i wanted to make sure to include uh in my short list was the Jeff Buckley one, which you included in yours, so I'm glad it got some mention. Nice. So that was really it.
1: Uh, how about you, Tom? Is there anything you wanted to put on your list, but last minute didn't quite make the cut? Uh, the last waltz. Oh, nice. Man. Yeah. Uh, that, that makes perfect uh, sense.
2: The version of The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down is probably my favorite live moment ever. Right. But, like... And talking about bands that, like, improve upon the original recorded version, like, they were sort of at the peak of their powers, but also, I mean, it was, yeah, that moment kills it for me every time. Wow. So, yeah, The Last Waltz, and it's a classic.
0: We haven't talked about this really, but I think for me, live albums, or not live albums, live performance on VHS or DVD or whatever, format, whatever, Mm -hmm. those are cool. But mm-hmm. I think because I like to watch them playing live rather than just listening. So if we did some other list, I would definitely have to include that. Um, the Cure Show, Live at L'Orange or whatever yeah, it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Mm. for sure.
0: Um, yeah, that one's so good. Anyways, that's the only other thing. But I don't know if it's, I don't even know if that's an actual album or what. But I know it's a video. I,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't think they did. Or they may have now. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to get around to concert (laughs) films next. That might be
1: another one we'll have to do soon. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few I wanted to uh, include, but I didn't get around to. Um, The whole MTV Unplugged era, there were some some really great moments in there. Uh, REM had two really great MTV Unplugged shows that I really enjoyed. Um, There was also a really great one um, with uh, Bjork. Bjork, because it was when she was in her like highly electronic phase so, hearing her do um, uh, her first couple albums with like a harpsichord instead of like, you know, electronic backing was really special and I really enjoyed that. Um, I also wanted to give a shout out to the VH1 Storytellers series. I, I have a couple of albums from those things that are actually pretty fascinating to hear. There's a really good one from Bowie, it's a really good one with uh, Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash together. That one's really cool. Uh, another thing I wanted to mention, but I'm, I'm not sure if it counts is um, Daytrotter. I'm not even sure what Daytrotter is anymore. I think they might have like sold themselves to Paste or something. But anyway, back in the day, you know, they would invite these bands in and they would play a live set in studio and then they would release it. So it's like a live concert, but not really because there's no audience. But um, a quick shout out to the uh, Coco Rosie Daytrotter session, the Fiery Furnaces Daytrotter session and the Van Dyke Parks (laughs) Daytrotter session. Really, really good. And then uh, a couple of newer ones that I wanted to, to... they, they, they didn't quite make my list, but I just like them a lot. Um, Under Great White Northern Lights by The White Stripes. Um, Look At Me, Don't Look At Me by Mountain Man. And a, a very new one, but very, very good. Off Key in Hamburg by Father John Misty. It's a really nice encapsulation of his whole career in one evening. And uh, yeah, it's really good. So so anyway, anyway. Go
0: ahead and add the War on Drugs new live album to that new, new list as well. Yeah. Again, I haven't consumed it enough for it to be in a top five yet, but I love them. Totally.
1: Uh, well, well Tara, uh, employee recommendation shelf. What, what, what are you going to put on there today?
0: Um, I am actually going to recommend folks listen to the new Adrian Linker Instrumentals album.
1: I, I, I've been actually really excited to listen to that. I haven't heard it yet. Um uh, this is this will show my how my interior brain works and how how painful it is to be me sometimes. Uh, I was really excited that uh, it was on Bandcamp because I'm like, great! I'll get the digital tracks and the physical albums in one fell swoop. Those will be great. But the digital tracks are split into two separate albums on Bandcamp. Songs is one release. Instrumentals is another release. So I'm like, okay. So where do I get the physical? the physical, which is both records, is only available on the songs page. So you buy the physical on songs, and then I would have to buy the digital again on the instrumentals page. And these are the things that go through my mind, and it's insufferable. So I'm very excited to hear it.
0: (laughs) What about you? What's yours?
1: Um, for my employee recommendation this week, uh, this is just the album I've been listening to the most right now, but I've been really enjoying it, and it's doing that thing which is, I think, my favorite thing in music which is something you like, then you listen to it again and you like it a little bit more, you listen to it again you like it a little bit more, you listen to it again you like it a little bit more, and it just grows on you like a mold, and uh, that's what's happening with this (laughs) album right now Uh, it's the 2020 album Inner Song by Kelly Lee Owens Mm -hmm. so good oh my gosh that
0: one's so good and also the song uh, Song Exploder yes what it's called songs that episode of that one song I think I can't remember which one Melt something whatever that whatever episode she does it's so good yeah
1: yeah I love it Song Exploder's great great. Um, I I guess I'll also throw this on there too watch the Netflix show it's fun
0: oh yeah I haven't watched it yet
1: I've only seen one episode so far but uh, from what I've seen I, I really enjoy it I can't wait to watch more Uh, Hey, Tom, uh, I know you don't work here, but you got anything you want to throw on our uh, employee recommendation shelf? I didn't really think about it. Eh. What have I been listening to? Yeah, whatever's your favorite album I've been watching YouTube
2: videos. Uh, Favorite album right
1: now. You could could throw on a YouTube video. Okay. A metaphorical one.
2: (laughs) No, I'll I'll just make sure that this one always gets as much publicity as they possibly can get. Hats (laughs) by the Blue Nile, period. End of story.
1: Nice, nice. Um, People need to
2: listen to that band.
1: Yeah, uh, recently, and this is, I don't know why I bring it up because it's taking away from uh, a a succinct story here, but um, there's this great thing called Sounds Delicious where they do um, uh, basically entire album covers by different musicians. So for example, the most recent Mm. version was uh, the Fruit Bats covering Siamese Dream in its entirety. So it's an entire album Covered oh, wow. by another current band, um, Hats uh, was on that recently, and I wish I could remember who did it. But in all honesty, I, I wasn't—I I, I I wasn't super familiar with the band that did it. So here, you guys talk for a second about uh, Hats while I look up who it was. <laughs> pulling out my phone.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's weird that it, I only—I only ever listened to the same five records. But uh, Hats is yeah. on there, and it came out in 1990, and it, God. Just glad that some, I mean, they're, they're my favorites. They're also Scottish. I was going to mention uh, the YouTube video mashup of a Cocteau Twins live during the Heaven or Las Vegas tour. That's what I wanted to include, too. Uh, that was synced up with with audio that was different from the video that's in it, but they were playing to a track so they could just do it. Anyway. Nice.
1: <laughs> I looked it up, and it was pure bathing culture, covering hats in its entirety, and uh, yeah. Oh, I have heard of. I've heard of that. Yeah, Yeah. nothing against pure bathing culture. They're a great band, but I'm not super familiar with them, and so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I I, I was I was happy to see just a um, a public, uh, 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 being put on a, a on on a platform of that album recently. You know.
2: Yeah i mean paul buchanan get out of here the best.
1: <laughs> well uh excellent well uh thank you all you customers for coming in today tom thank you for coming in today we really appreciate you stopping by uh but the store is officially closed so uh happy trails everyone and uh until we meet again
0: Record Store Society is hosted by Tara Davies and Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to recordstoresociety at iheartmedia.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society.
1: Record Store Society is a
0: production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.